I definitely uh, went through a number of emotions over time. Um, at first, it was crushing. Here was somebody who we talked about well, when we retire, we'll go golfing. When we do, you know, we were going to travel, we were going to do, you know, all sorts of things. Never got to them, right? Mm. And so then you get angry, right? Hello, and thank you for joining our podcast, Hope to Recharge, a show that is designed to bring hope, inspiration, motivation, and some practical tips to those that are battling depression and anxiety, and to those that are supporting loved ones that are going through the journey in this difficult time of depression and anxiety. I'm here to tell you, you are not alone, and we will live beyond depression and anxiety. We will share our stories one story at a time in a world of mental health together is better. I'm your host, Matana. Thank you for tuning in. Hello and welcome to the show, Hope to Recharge. Thank you so much for joining me here again. Today, I have a very interesting guest. This guest reached out to me after I put out the podcast. I knew him from online group from BYLR, but I never really connected with him online. We never really chatted until my podcast came out. And when my podcast came out, he reached out to me to say, great podcast. Guess what? I also have a story. And after back and forth a few times texting, I'm like, I need you on my podcast. Can you come and share your story? So I want to introduce you to Andreas Zaplatal. Did I pronounce it correct? You did. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to the show, Andreas. Thank you so much for making time in the evening. I know you work a very long day, so thank you for making time for us. I really appreciate it. Uh, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on. Okay. Andreas is a very modest, calm voice that will automatically put you into some kind of relaxation which is very soothing. And um, you're going to really enjoy this episode. Andreas, give me a little bit of a background, who you are, where you grew up. I know you're from Canada, but your background from, it's Austrian background. That's right. Yeah. So give me a little bit about your background and what you do. As you said, I'm in Canada. I was born and raised in Canada. Uh, My parents uh, were from Austria and they met here in Canada. You know, I've, I've always lived kind of in the same area, um, around, in and around Toronto. You know, my, my life's uh, kind of been, been an interesting one, uh, lots of twists and turns. You know, I moved out uh, when I was 16 years old uh, on my own, and I've been making my way on my own ever since. I've battled, as, as I said, uh, when we connected, I've battled with depression uh, off and on over the years. I've got uh, family members who also deal with depression, my wife and my daughter um, deal with depression and anxiety. Um, so that's what drew me to uh, your podcast in the first place and why I wanted to reach out. So from a work perspective, I'm a consultant, project management consultant. And I also uh, do some coaching on the side, uh, both uh, runners and uh, helping people uh, lose weight. Consulting is the consulting specifically for, um, for health related, f- for fitness? The uh, the coaching is uh, is uh, most of it's for runners, uh, learn to run type of programs. Project management consulting is in the financial services industry, so mm. two very different. Uh, very aspects. different, very different. What was your first pro- passion, or was it even a passion? What was your first job? My first job um, was out of university was um, technical support representative for accounting software. Um, I just graduated from an accounting program uh, from the University of Waterloo. That was a job at the 
company that I got a, had a co-op position with. So that was not a passion. <laughs> oh, it was not a yeah. passion. But you went into no, finance no. right away. Yeah, yeah, I did. And, uh, you know, it's that led me to, through various positions, eventually to project management, which I love um, and is a passion of mine. So. so the project management is in finance and it is your passion. Absolutely. Yeah, I love, okay. uh, I love uh, taking large complex uh, undertakings and uh, seeing them through. So Okay. And the fitness, when did that come into life? Uh, that's a fairly recent addition. Um, I was very unfit for many years. Um, you know, I battled with my weight off and on over the years. Uh, it was at one point almost 300 pounds, um, wow. six pounds shy of that. And then I've, I've lost uh, 100 pounds since then over the last four years. And through that, I started running, which became a new passion of mine. I, I dabbled in running over the years and um, I love it uh, now. And it's, uh, some say it's my new addiction. So that's a very uh, good addiction to have. It's not a bad one to have. So it's uh, not I'm a sorry. bad one to have yeah. at all. So you got into it as a method to become healthier and fit or because of the depression and anxiety? Because I know a lot of one of the first things when I was battling, they said, start exercising, which I never went to running because I had my own issues with running. I went to yoga, but I know that a lot of people talk about the running. Is that the reason you got into it? The original reason was uh, to help with the weight loss. Um, and I had some goals that I'd always wanted to achieve in running that were kind of in the back of my mind, uh, things like running a marathon, running an ultra marathon. Really, it was to support the fitness and the, and the weight loss. Now, it's as much for the mental health aspects. Mm. Um, when I have a bad day at work, I have a great day of running. Uh, oh, really? It fuels my run. That's so, so fabulous. Do you wish you knew about the running back when you were starting to struggle with depression and anxiety? Absolutely. Um, I think, uh, you know, whether it's running, whether it's, you know, swimming, cycling, yoga, whatever physical activity you can do it focuses your mind on something outside of your own head you know in the case of running it tires me out the thing that was bothering me so much that had my head spinning is uh, done with and uh, i can put it behind me um, or i can think through it uh, while i'm running wow um, so it gives you space to process in motion whatever's bothering, whatever issues coming up. And then by the time the run is over, you basically worked it out. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a, there's a funny uh, story around when marathon or when people run marathons go into um, their rest period a couple of weeks before their marathon, uh, you want to steer clear of them because they're going to be bears during that period because they're oh, not running much. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. I'm going to, I want to give the audience a little bit of a background of your, your history with mental health, how, how you figured out that you really have depression? When did you really figure it out in your life? So you're in your, how old are you about now? I'm uh, 47 now. Okay. Um, almost 48. And at what point, when did you realize that you had depression? Probably about 20 years ago. I was pouring myself into work. I, I worked an insane number of hours. You know, a 16 hour day was a start. Um, wow. And uh, it went up from there, you know, pulled many all-nighters uh, multiple times in a row. And, you know, so it, it wears on you after a while. Um, and it's, it's okay when you feel like you're accomplishing something and there's support there for you. But when 
some of that gives away the meaning behind your work starts to give away. It becomes tougher and tougher to stay on top of it. And I, I just changed jobs uh, within the same company, but for a different division. Um, and things uh, things changed. Things weren't going as well. I didn't feel like I had the support um, that I'd had previously. And I remember waking up one morning and coming downstairs to my wife and just saying, I can't go to work today. I can't face it. Wow. Um, and it was, we've all had those kinds of days, right. uh, but this was um, physically overwhelming. Um, like I just couldn't go. I remember I called in and I said, um, you know, I called in sick. And then, you know, over the course of a couple of weeks, you know, resigned that position. Do you feel that depression came from the position or was was the depression there all the time, but it just escalated because of the position? Or were you working so much to avoid the depression to just shush it and just distract yourself but then it just came to a peak and and your body and your mind said no more i can't tolerate it anymore and you collapsed i think there was probably a little bit of that all along my life but when it when you put that much work in um and and the stress and the pressure builds up to such a degree it overwhelms you you know i think that just contributed to it so that helped me see kind of what the limit was uh, of what i could do and what i could suffer through now I, I can see that in myself. I can see it coming. And so I know to pull back. I know to manage it. Uh, right. But at the time, I, I ran headlong into it, just hit a wall. So when you collapsed, when you had that morning that you said, I can't come in, was that clear as daylight? I am no more, no why am I continuing this? I have to treat the depression? 100%. You know, I knew right then and there that that was, uh, I needed to go seek some counseling, seek some help. Was that the first time in your life you actually went for help for mental health? I had gone to counseling before um, to help, you know, various things in my life. You know, when I moved out when I was 16, I went for counseling before that, you know, to help with some family situations. You know, that wasn't really depression related, but um, so it wasn't new to me. But uh, so, you know, that's probably why I gravitated towards it as quickly as I did. But for depression, it was the first time you went for counseling. Your first time you accepted, I'm suffering with mental health. I need to do something about it. Absolutely. Yeah. That was the first time. And how many years ago was this? It was about 20 years ago now. So 20 years ago. So you're basically saying you think you had a low grade mellowness of depression, like a lack of extreme happiness, something missing all along. Yeah. You suppressed it with working and intense jobs. And then one day you just collapsed the peak and you said, I can't do this anymore. I can't suffer anymore. There must be more to life than this suffering. I need to get help. And you were willing to give up your job, which is in itself so scary. Uh, it was scary. Um, you know, there's there was some support there, you know, from uh, company benefits that helped through mm-hmm. some of that. Um, so, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a free fall, you know, it was certainly scary because, uh, you know, being the primary breadwinner and, you know, going through that, it, it's scary for both of us. Right. So did you have your daughter by then? Uh, no, that was before we had our daughter. So, okay. So the fear of not supporting a child is very scary. Yeah, that's that's even scarier. Yeah, yeah for sure. that's very scary. So at least you didn't have that yeah. point of like, I'm not going to support my daughter, and I maybe that's what gave you the okay to quit and to you know take care of yourself. The conversations that we had at the time, and and you know even since, the the things that we have, the material things don't matter as long as we've got the family. 
you know, if we lost the house, we lose the house. We can always get another house, right? Really? Uh, you you know, always so do that? We That's been the discussion we've had before. Um, wow. You know, and I, and I know that's not necessarily how everybody feels. That's um, amazing. But, uh, you know, I've, I've certainly, I've, I've known people who have clung, on, clung to their things for so long until they just couldn't anymore. Um, wow. But they're only things, so. That's admirable, really. That's big. That's that's amazing. That shows that you and your wife are core valued people that really um, see clearly, which most people don't have such an easy time to just say our health is the most important. Us, our family is the most important. Where did you get that value from? You know what I think when I look back on my my father and and my mother. You know, my my mom died of cancer when I was twelve. Oh my god! My uh, my dad stuck by her through it all. I mean, it was it was tough. There were so many tough emotional things that we had to go through, but he never wavered. He was always there. Um, so I think that's something that I always took away from from that situation. So. That's for sure, for sure, a role model of how to support and what's the most important. I I was not aware that your mother passed away when you were so young. So that can also lead to an extreme depression and sadness. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, I was so young, it's it's hard to really remember. attach that to that, right? Right, uh, right. You know, yeah. so, you know, because when she became sick, I was about eight years old, right? Wow. So that's that's just what I knew, and that was just life. Right. Uh, we dealt with it, so. And what happened when you quit your job? Um, I had a new job uh, the next day. Next day? <laughs> so you didn't really go to recovery? No. So what uh, happened? I had been applying for, for jobs. So you were preparing so for this? I was preparing. Quit. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not the type of person that can just sit around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I literally got a new job the next day and I said, oh, I need to give two weeks notice. So I had two weeks just to relax and get back to uh, at least some semblance of uh, good health. So Whether that was enough was time, the, I don't know. <laughs> what was the difference between the jobs that was so important for you to leave the first job? And why did you think it's going to help your depression and your anxiety that you were suffering from? I attached a lot of uh, my self-worth and self-importance at the time to my job. It was, it was everything to me. I, I certainly moved away from that at the time. That was all there was, uh, and so to me, the situation that I was in with the having having a good support network at work uh, when you're that vested into in your job is really important. Um, and whether that's within the company or whether that's coaching, um, I just didn't have that at the time. So uh, I thought it was, you know, to me that was what was wrong. I needed to change that. So. Okay, so you got this new job. Did you start medication? Did you start counseling right away? Yeah, I uh, I was on medication uh, for a short time, for I think about six months. Um, and I, st- I went to counseling as well. So um, through all of that, I, d- I did the counseling and the medication. And it lasted, the, the, I think the counseling and the medication both lasted about six months. And how did you get off of the medication so fast? Usually it's not such a short journey on meds. I don't know. I, I was never comfortable on medication. Um, I always felt like I needed to figure Rise this out myself. You know? Yeah. you know, I look at depression as, as a spectrum. You know, my, my depression, I don't view as being overly severe. Right. Um, so, and I think, you know, some of the changes I made in my work life and some of the counseling, that all helped. Um, and I was able to get off it really quickly. I know other people aren't as lucky. They deal with much more severe depression. So, 
what made you do the shift for the to the health department of running, losing weight, and all that? That was. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I wait for uh, major life events to do these things. I I had a friend committed suicide. Uh, my my best friend. He committed suicide, and he was he was Uncle Uncle Craig to my daughter. You know that we were very very close. You know, we, we my daughter was uh, I think about nine years old at the time, and uh, so we she obviously knew that he passed, uh, but she didn't know how. And over the ensuing months, um, she questioned more and more. Well, how 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 uh, did right. he pass away? Uh, so we finally had to sit her down and tell her. I, I'll never forget uh, that night. Uh, we we sat down on our bed and uh you know she she was about a foot away from me i said you know uncle craig committed suicide she looked at me and looked me in the eyes and said you know daddy you're not going to do that are you oh my Uh, god i have the chills promised her right then and there i I wouldn't um how did she know at nine what suicide meant you know i think it's probably uh more prevalent in society and in social media than we like to think so wow um she knew she knew enough about it that we didn't tell her how we didn't tell her anything beyond that she asked why Um, you know what i think she asked why later at that point um when i promised her of course i would never do that um, I realized that the way that I was eating, um, the lack of exercise, uh, was essentially doing the same thing. Um, it was just over a longer period of time. Um, and so, you know, it, it took a few months to really tune into what I was going to do about it. Um, but ultimately, uh, that led to me hiring a coach uh, who happened to be my massage therapist. Uh, so we knew each other well. And I started going to the gym uh, three days a week with him at first because I had also had major back issues. Um, so he helped me through those. And uh, I, all I did for the first year was weightlifting, getting stronger, um, yeah. making my core stronger. Wow. Uh, and then after about a year, I started running. Um, and now I've run three marathons. I've run an ultra uh, 50K. Wow, wow. Um, what an accomplishment. How many years ago yeah. was this that you started? Uh, four years ago. Was Only there. four years. Yeah. Only four yeah. years. Yeah. So if not for your best friend committing suicide, you would probably be three, still be 300 pounds and not running. And who knows where your mental health would have been. Mentally, uh, who knows? And, uh, you know, physically, would I have had diabetes? Would I have had a heart attack? Wow. Um, or at least on the road to it, right? So. Wow. So sad that we need to go through tragedies in life to get the wake-up calls. It is. I got to get better at that. <laughs> No, it's, but we're all like that. We go through yeah. day by day by day. I think Jesse spoke about it today, right? He did. How do yeah. we, right? Wasn't that his call with bananas today? That was exactly it. Well, he was saying like, let not take for granted the small things and just remember every single day and not wait for the big wake up call to say, oh my gosh, we need a change. Exactly. But you made the change very fast and you escalated extremely impressively. Like three marathons? What did you say? Three marathons? Yeah, three marathons. And an ultra? Yeah. That's big stuff. Like you're, you're <laughs> running with the big guys. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Wow. And it's, you know what, it's uh, hopefully setting a good example for my daughter and uh through that, I've been able to inspire some other people to start running as well, which has been 
Which is the uh, biggest benefit, right? You know what? That gives so much back to me when oh. I hear people say that. And um, It gives you, know, you the strength to get up in the morning when you don't want to get up and run or when absolutely. it's freezing in Canada, minus yeah. 30 degrees, <laughs> to get out there. I don't know how you do it and to just get out there and run. That's amazing. Yeah. Is your daughter proud of you? Uh, I think so. Um, she's 14 now, so she, I don't think she'll tell me, but... <laughs> Yeah. Did you explain um, to her? Does. Did she know? Does she know? She does. Oh, she, 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 knows. she knows the reason why. And right. um, off and on, she's run with me. Um, but I think there's a there's an, uh, an awareness of health um, that she has now that she maybe wouldn't have had before. So that is so it's so inspiring that you took something so tragic. Your best friend. It was he your childhood best friend. Uh, we met later in life, um, but we just connected. People thought we were brothers. <laughs> what a tragedy. And how did you process that tragedy when you're suffering with sadness, with depression, and sure. then something like this hits you? Like, what happens? Do you, do you crumble? Do you, do you give up on life? Do you question? What goes on? You know, I, th- I definitely uh, went through a number of emotions over time. Um, you know, I, at first it was crushing. Here was somebody who we talked about, well, when we retire, we'll go golfing. When we do, you know, we were going to travel, we were going to do, you know, all sorts of things. Never got to them, right? Mm. And so then you get angry, right? How could he do this? How could he take his own life? And But the next breath you realized you know, what kind of a mental spot did he need to be in in order to do that? It must have been horrible. The anger is brief, um, but it's there. But You, you get were over angry it. at him? At, angry at him, yeah. How could, what, how, how how could, could you do this? How could you do it, right? And, really? uh, you know, and, and, and confusion, you know, he, he, he was always steady. He, he was, um, you know, just such a good kind gentle person uh he is he was the last person you would ever expect would do this so the confusion is like how did he hide it so well you know how do you hide it we you know i i knew i knew he was you know not having a great time at work Uh, you know i think i knew things were weighing on him but never in a million years would i have thought that this would happen and then you start feeling some guilt of course why didn't i catch it you know i talked to him a couple of days before he wasn't doing well but you know we said we talk in a couple of days and, and that was the last time we spoke um, oh my goodness you know, so you you go through a lot of emotion but at the end of the day you know it was a decision that he made there's nothing that i can do about it right um, or anybody else um right. you know there's the one thing that uh and 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 this applies to my depression and um why i think it hit me as hard as it did back 20 years ago but I think it also applies to a situation like uh, his. You got to reach out and talk to people. Yes. Um, yeah. Find find somebody. Um, you know, whether it's a friend, a family member, a stranger, you know, counselor, um, you know, whatever it is. A support um, group. Some sort of right. Some some connection. You need help in getting through this, and you're not going to do it on your own. Um, and unfortunately, the instinct at that stage is to withdraw. Uh, for a lot of people to shut down um, to shut down and and that's the exact wrong thing to do you know and that that's a, a hard learned lesson for me that i hope if people are listening and struggling with that that you reach out to somebody and i think by you creating this um environment to motivate people to take care of their health and their body it's a, it's basically continuing a legacy for him 
Because it's in his yeah. merit that you started. And it's in his memory that I do each of my major runs. Right. Um, so it motivates you even more. Yeah. And you're probably talking to him in your mind, in your heart while you're going. He's he's kept me going multiple times. Um, and, you know, I can I can see him with me um, when wow. I when I do run. So what uh, a powerful story. It's so there's so many emotions. There's a sadness, there's the inspiration, there's, there's also like the yearning like that missing him. Like you there, want there to cheer you on at the end and give you a high five and say, Oh, great run. Or maybe for him running with you and say, we can get through this together. I know what yeah. you're going through. You know what? At the end of the day, this is the best thing that can happen out of that situation. We'll never forget them. I, I'll keep doing this uh, as long as my, my body is willing. So It's such a lesson to turn something so negative and painful and so hard into something spiritual and growth-oriented and positive. Like making a change when you feel like you're out of control because a death is something that we're so not in control of. And you feel like, oh my God, what now? Like it's literally your hands are tied. You can't bring somebody alive. And then you yeah. basically take control and say, I'm going to make everything in me be okay. You know what? You, you have to. Um, in Craig's case, you know, it would do him a disservice to not honor his memory. And um, to give up because of you know, the pain, right? Exactly. He, he was such a wonderful person um, and had such a wonderful and caring soul. You just have to. There is no other choice. Wow. Do you think that your working out and your running will take away percentages within the years of the sad, of depression in general? Can you look back to one years and now? Is it the same waves of coming and like up and down in the day or do you think that every year that you run there's a little change it still comes and goes i still have good days and bad days um the amount of time that i that i spend in in a funk is shorter and shorter oh that's beautiful you know part of that i think is maturing um just growing older and understanding it better and understanding myself better and i i do think a, a big part of that too is keeping that stress level at a manageable point um, so that it doesn't get too much. And you mentioned that your wife also suffers with depression. Is, did you think you, were, you got to know each other because you, you basically, your soul's connected on a deeper level of, I get you? Or was it you just found out much later that you both I, suffer? I think that came much later. And well, when I say much later, you know, probably a year or two into it, into the relationship, you know, is, is kind of when that all that came to light, you know, but I think we do get each other. Um, she's there for me. Um, you know, if I'm at work and having a rough day, you know, I'll go for a walk, I'll call her. Um, and uh, she has a way of keeping me in check. So it's so beautiful. You know, uh, she understands um, your pain. She does. Uh, she knows. She knows my thinking. It's been uh, you know twenty some odd years now, so uh, she knows what I what I think, what I go through, and she knows how to pull me back. So, do you know how to support her back when she's going through her depression? I like to think I do. <laughs> um, we always talk about the fact that when somebody doesn't understand mental health, it's so hard to support someone properly. Absolutely. And I've seen that over the years with friends who, who don't understand it. Um, you know, but I know when my wife's having a bad day, I try and support her. I try, you know, I, I try and pick up some of the, um, you know, the work around the house or whatever it might be, you know, to try and help support her with that. 
you know, and, and give her the space that she needs. That's so, um, that's so important. Giving the space so. that she needs. That's so, that's so underspoken about. And I think thinking back when, when I was suffering, I really needed space. We always talk about support, but we don't really talk about the space that we have to honor for people that are going through it because it's a fine line. We don't want to leave them alone, but they do need that space to process. And only one that went through it can understand that. So powerful. And I think um, there's a fine line between, like you said, the space and and trying to be helpful, right? And you know, I've certainly stepped over the line of uh, trying to help by by coaching. Right. <laughs> it doesn't work so well, you know. You want and you just want to help, right? Um, right. But you know, sometimes it's hard to just stay, take a step back and just listen. So right, it's um, hard, especially when we know what the pain is and we think that we can. If you only did X, Y, and Z that worked for us, maybe it will work. Exactly. For you. But as you <laughs> said, there's no one pill that fits everyone. There's no one fix for everyone. But we have to be patient and supportive till everybody finds their fix and their way to healing, which yeah, takes patience with a spouse. It does. And, uh, you know, it could take weeks, it could take months, it could take years, uh, you know, so, and there's ups and downs and, uh, you know, our, our vows are forever. So. Um, That's so beautiful. So. What does your wife do? Uh, she uh, works on a horse farm. She manages, she's a barn manager. Very cool. I think you said that, you told me that. Yeah, she was working with the horses, which is so therapeutic. She loves it. She used to work in an office and she was miserable. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, when she started working with horses, it uh, it was a different person. So I wouldn't think that Canada has so many horses. (laughs) We do. We do. Because it's so cold. They're uh, they're pretty resilient. So my uh, my daughter uh, rides the, through the winter. Really, uh, so. in the mountains? Uh, no, no mountains around here. So. <laughs> oh, because there, but there are Canadian mountains, right? But not there near. There are, yeah, not, not where near we you. are. Oh, so, okay, unfortunately, fine. I wish there were. Okay, regarding your wife, can I ask you a few questions about your wife? Sure. Did she also struggle since she was young, or was there a specific? episode in her life that triggered it no i think i think she struggled for many years um you know even when she was young so i I don't think there was a particular moment that we can point to there wasn't Um, a trauma or something no no there's not so um i think you know she some of it is i think hereditary um, right that she does with so you know so that's always kind of been in her life you mentioned that your daughter also suffers a little bit is it so hard to see a child go through something that you know how deep the pain is that's one of the toughest things um you just wish you could protect them and put a put them in a bubble right <laughs> um you know i would give anything to be able to take that away at the same time i look and uh it's something that's going to make her stronger Absolutely. as she gets older. You know, she's, she's an amazing person. She's, you know, such a caring soul and such, such a sensitive soul, which is uh, a double-edged sword, right? So, right. Um, I believe but, that uh, we're blessed with sensitive souls and then we get the depression. I feel like they're hand in hand, that the sensitive souls yeah. are doomed for depression and anxiety or <laughs> general mental health. Like, you know, we're very sensitive. Our antennas are just up higher than others. But I think that also makes it, uh, makes you such an amazing person too, because uh, you're so much more aware of things and treat people with uh, such 
respect and kindness and beauty. So That's true. What would you wish that mental health would be like in 10 years if there was like a magic pill? Do you think that it would be to not suffer at all or to just go through it but have the training to be able to work with it? Because it does make us much better and stronger people. As much as we don't uh, wish it on our biggest enemies, it does, it does work a certain muscle. So what would you wish yeah. mental health would be in 10 years? You know, I, I think, as you said, without the lows, the highs aren't there either. People going through this is, is natural, whether you suffer from it or just are having a bad day. You know, I, I think it's always going to be there. And, and I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, what I do wish is that people were more aware of of it and gave it the respect it deserves. Um, it is something that people struggle with. Um, I'm seeing in, in you know in recent years certainly more acceptance of it mm-hmm. um, and more awareness of it, uh, which is great. Um, at least at least where we are in Canada, calling in sick for a mental health day is something that's starting to be more accepted. Really. Um, you could yeah, say, I, instead of saying I have the flu, I, you could say I have, I'm taking a mental health day. Some, some companies are more accepting of that. Not everybody. Um, wow. But, you know, I, I happen to work for one that, uh, that does support that. I think we're at the beginnings of that. Too many people died from it. Exactly. It's just not worth it. If you can give somebody the space they need to, to take that mental health day or a couple of days to get back to where they need to be because right. you don't know what they're dealing with, right? You know, and, and uh, you know, I've heard the counter argument that people will abuse it and there may be the odd person that does, but I think for the most part, people will respect it. So, so I just think, you know, it, the more we accept it, the more we talk about it through things like your podcast, the, the more it's going to be accepted and understood. Um, and then we can start treating it the way, uh, the way it should be. So as somebody that lost a best friend, what would you recommend? It's a tough question. What would you recommend to somebody that is a friend to somebody that they think that's suffering? Mm-hmm. They're not talking about it really. What's the right way to address it and to get them to be okay with sharing and vulnerable? Because it's hard to get them to to really talk. And what's the right yeah. support to give? You know what? I've, I've uh, through through this, I've become more aware of signs in people um, when they're starting to pull away. You know, I've I've used my story um, about my friend. To mm-hmm. say, look, you know what? I've watched somebody go through this. I don't want to. I don't want to see someone else go through it. Mm-hmm. So talk to me. Talk to somebody. You know, get on the phone, and don't take no for an answer. You know, and that's uh, be gentle. Um, you know, but uh, but be persistent. You know, and, and just let them know that you're there for them. Not judgmental. Um, not judge. Not judgmental. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know and. It's they uh, most people want to retreat within themselves, um, Mm -hmm. and that's the absolute worst place that they can be. That's when uh, suicide starts seeming seeming like it's the only option, and it's it should not even be on the table. Right? Do you find that when you when you reach out to friends that you're there for them? Do they really open up? Some do, uh, you know, and and I've I've certainly had that happen. Um, I've had people. Uh, not necessarily open up to me, but turn to somebody else. Frankly, I don't care who they <laughs> reach out to, as long as exactly. they're reaching out to somebody, you know. But at the end of the day, it is their decision. Um, they have to take their life in their hands and say, make the decision that they're they're one, willing to fight. Exactly, but lay it out for them and say, look, you know what, this is 
not good for you. Um, you need to reach out, give them the option to reach out to you. Right. What would you say to a spouse dealing with a loved one that's going through a hard time of depression? The spouse doesn't want to acknowledge it or the loved one, the, the partner, whatever mm. it is, a child, a brother, a sister, somebody that you're very close to and you're witnessing the pain. Right. And you're a byproduct of their pain by living with it. You're becoming a part of the pain. You're, you're struggling with them, but they're insisting that they don't want to get help. You know what, I I don't know if this is uh, the right answer or the only answer, but what's worked for me is engaging friends because you're too close to the person, you know, so it, it can backfire. Um, wow. And uh, so if you, if you have close friends who are also seeing this or who can be trusted uh, friends that uh, can engage with the person, um, I've, I've done that myself and... Uh, Interesting. You so you're some, saying when they're close, they're it's too close to comfort. So you need to withdraw a little bit. Yeah, and and you know still have that like make sure that you have somebody that you can connect them with. Um, you know whether what you do that covertly or not. Right. <laughs> um, you know it's uh, that's really up to the, the situation. But you know I just find that it can get very emotional with family members. That's the way I've chosen to handle it sometimes mm-hmm. when, when I'm, you know, when I need to, where I, when I think I need to get in and dig deeper and it's, you know, it's getting to a point where, you know, no, the results aren't uh, happening or um, person is withdrawing even more. There's, there's probably a friend that that person is more likely to talk to. So. Right. Right. Is there any book that helped you tremendously through your journey? On depression, I never actually read a book. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, okay. Probably should have, um, but I never did. So, okay. you know, it's, uh, I don't know why I didn't. You know, I just always thought I could do it myself. And you and, did. Look, uh, you came a very long way. Your your inner instinct knew what to do, what it needed. It might have taken longer. <laughs> right. Maybe it took longer, um, but it's sometimes you know, hard to tap into that when you're depleted. I, I was talking to, to somebody recently, uh, a coach of mine, about uh, this phenomenon of, uh, and, and we've we've decided it's uniquely or, or mostly Canadian, of uh, thinking we can do it ourselves, and and uh, the, you know, as a society in Canada, that's what we see uh, much more of. We're less likely to reach out to those resources. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's our observation. So right, right, okay, yeah. maybe. So on the final question, I want to ask you: What does hope mean to you? It's everything. It's to me, that's what keeps me going. You know, you, you have to have hope uh, for, for the future, for um, getting out of the situation that you're in mentally, physically. There's, there's always something there on the other side. You can do it and you can get through it. Uh, and you know you can because you've made it through everything so far. Right. So there's no reason to, to think that you can't get through this next thing. To me, hope is everything. Hope is everything. Nice. Andreas, if somebody wants to um, get tips from how to start from 300 pounds and lose 100 and start running, where can they find you if you're willing to support them through the journey? Absolutely. Um, I'm happy to. Um, so you can you can reach me at my email address, uh, andreaszapatol at gmail.com. We'll have um, it in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. It's so important. There was so many different aspects in this episode from your friend, you, your daughter, your wife, the different 
stages in life so important and and really informative. So I really appreciate the time that you gave us at night after a long day at work. And uh, maybe one day I'll go running with you. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you'll get me. Maybe you'll get me to actually run. <laughs> maybe. I'm sending you the training program. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you very much and have a wonderful evening. And thanks for what you're doing. I think it's really important work. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out and thank you for supporting the podcast and uh, being so open about your journey, which will help others to open up and maybe even seek help when they when they're drowning. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us and taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button so you can hear further episodes. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please leave feedback and ratings below. Let us know if there's any topic that you would like to hear from us in the future. Bye till next time.